This episode is brought to you by Lexar. For more than 25 years, Lexar has been trusted as a leading global brand of memory solutions, so they know firsthand just how quickly content is transforming our world. Their award-winning lineup performs second to none and includes professional memory cards, card readers, and solid-state drives for creators of all skill levels. Whether shooting photos, capturing video, or transferring content on the go, Lexar provides the quality and performance you can rely on to get the shot with confidence. I certainly do. I've been using Lexar Professional CF Express Type B Gold Memory Cards with my Canon mirrorless cameras for years, and they deliver the blazing speed and the durability for the extreme weather conditions I encounter anywhere in the world. To learn more about Lexar Memory Solutions, please visit www.lexar.com. That's www.lexar.com. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Lens, boys and girls. I'm Richard Burnaby. Thanks for tuning in and listening. A slightly different format this episode, maybe different from what you're used to. That's because there's no guest. And if you're a regular listener, you already know I like to change things up from time to time and occasionally fly solo. I have solo pre-trip episodes on Kenya or preparing for Kenya, episode 15, Antarctica, episode 19, a post-trip episode on Borneo, episode 38, and some Q&A sessions as well. And I know it's I know it's hard to believe, but some people actually want to hear me talk every so often. And I listen to your feedback, as misguided as it might be. So here you go. This one's for you. All of you asking for more of me. I'm in Reykjavik, Iceland today, and I just got off a plane from Greenland, where I've been in a bit of a internet black hole for the past two weeks. And there were some unexpected travel delays, which I won't get into, which helps explain why this episode wasn't published on a Friday as usual. But now I'm looking over my social media DMs in my email inbox, and there appear to be two topics dominating, dominating your thoughts out there. For photographers, I should say. Lots of questions, concerns, angst, mostly concerns about AI, and then there are those of you who feel like you've advanced your skills as far as you could take them, but also feel like you have a way to go yet. You've plateaued, in other words. Now, I've written about and I've talked about the latter topic, plateauing, and I've been thinking a lot about AI lately too. You know, we had an episode with Kevin Kelly about AI, especially with regard to art Kevin's co-founder of Wired Magazine, and this was episode 31. So I was thinking about AI while in Greenland these past two weeks. Greenland's a lovely place. It's lonely. It's cold, desolate, stunningly beautiful and pristine, but devoid of any distractions. So I had lots of free space to think. And it occurred to me, these two topics basically overlap. They overlap in that 
sweet spot of personal creative expression through emotional engagement and the necessity to create for yourself. So that's what I want to talk about in this episode, incorporating emotional engagement in your photography, in your photography work, and creating for yourself. But first, let's start with the topic of AI. Why why is AI so troublesome and worrisome to photographers and artists? Why is this? I think it's overblown. Have you ever heard the quote, a good photo says more about the photographer than the subject? Good. Because if you do, I'd love to know the source. I, I know I've heard it. I could not find who said this. Instead, I found a quote from Oscar Wilde. It's basically the same sentiment, except it applies to portrait painting. And it goes like this, quote, Every portrait that is painted with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not the sitter, unquote. Now, going forward, we'll just use the first quote, since it's more relatable for this audience. A good photo says more about the photographer than the subject. And this could apply to any type of art or medium or genre, even music any type of artistic expression. A good photo should say more about the photographer than the subject. Think about it. I believe it with 100% certainty. Why? Let's use an iceberg as an example, since having been in Greenland, there's lots and lots of icebergs. Your camera does a fine, fine job of coldly capturing an iceberg on an image sensor. You point the camera at the iceberg, it will do its job adequately enough most of the time. Do the same thing with a generative AI program, text prompt iceberg into Midjourney or Dolly or something similar, and you'll get a standard boilerplate image of an iceberg. Is that what you're doing now, basically? The camera coldly captures whatever you pointed at. AI coldly creates whatever prompt it was given. But what about the artist? What about the photographer? Isn't that what the photo is supposed to be about? If we are to believe the quote? I don't know. Maybe you don't really believe it. Maybe you think it sounds good, but you don't really believe it then why if I have 10 photographers capturing the same iceberg, I'll get 10 different results, saying 10 different things. You know that's true. If it's not true, then a monkey with a camera, I'm not disparaging monkeys here, okay? A monkey with a camera can do what Steve McCurry does or Art Wolf. Both have been on this podcast, by the way. The monkey just isn't capable. And the camera alone is incapable. AI is incapable. And let's talk about why. Whoever said a good photo should say more about the photographer than the subject knew one important thing. The camera on its own can capture a photo of an iceberg, but only an artist can express how he or she feels about that iceberg or how it makes him or her feel. 
that's the essence of art. If we're talking about painting or painters, we could say it's the difference between an illustrator and an artist. Illustrators replicate the subject as accurately as possible. Artists really don't care about accuracy. They express how they feel about the subject. So, what if you don't like icebergs? You're ambivalent, at best, about icebergs. You feel nothing, nothing at all. Fine. There's no law that says you have to feel anything about icebergs. You have nothing to say. Fine. Do you know the answer to that problem? Easy. Don't photograph icebergs. Hey, there's a reason why I've never photographed a wedding in my life. Okay? I used to joke. I would be interviewed and I'd be asked, what's your proudest accomplishment? And I'd say, I've never photographed a wedding. I probably have the technical abilities to adequately photograph a wedding. Maybe I could even do a decent job. But why have I never photographed a wedding? Because I wouldn't want to be there. That's why at said wedding. And the photos would prove it. Trust me. Friends of the beloved would flip through the wedding album and think, boy, that guy, that photographer doesn't like weddings. And they'd be right, despite their, maybe their, their technical proficiency. The photos, well, they would say more about me in my unhappy bored state than the bride and the groom. I'm sure they're very nice people, but they should have hired somebody else. And major props to wedding photographers who do wedding photography and excel at it, who have a passion for the ceremony, the celebration, the tension, the nervous moments before and the, the, the relief and the joy afterwards, the, the heartfelt happiness shared through those images in that moment. Can AI do that? Hell, I can't even do that. All of which takes me to an important point. Know yourself. Know yourself. What turns you on? Flowers, cars, animals, wild places, city streets, people, icebergs, weddings. What do you care deeply about? What's meaningful to you? Know yourself. And be honest. Don't BS yourself. You know, it took me a long time to know what I really wanted for myself, from myself, from other people, what I really wanted and liked and not what others wanted me to want and like, or what society implied I should like. And be, be honest. What's meaningful to you? What do you care about? What turns you on? What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning and the last thing before falling asleep at night? What are the things that you have a deep love for or deep insight into? Kitty Willard Verant in a June 2018 Psychology Today article titled Art is Self-Care writes, quote, when we're creating art, we're making decisions about what we like, what colors appeal to us, what shapes we're drawn to, what textures do we enjoy. You may think you don't have any opinions on these questions, but you do. 
You make art to make choices. To make choices necessitates paying attention to our inner selves as we assess which elements do and do not please us, unquote. I think you have an obligation to yourself to train your lens on those things. But I think you also have an obligation to share your unique insight, love, passion for those things with the rest of us. Enlighten us, inspire us. Look, it's not impossible, but it's pretty damn close to impossible to inspire someone with a photograph when you yourself were not inspired or you felt nothing at all when you created it or nearly impossible to have your viewers feel sadness or joy or melancholy or power, awe and tranquility without you feeling it first during your real time experience behind the camera and recognizing at the time, that's how you feel and using it as the emotional core around which you build the image, conceptualize it so that someone who might be thousands and thousands of miles away, who wasn't even there, can view it and feel what you felt. Feel what you felt. That's the real power of photography. That's the essence of art. Be receptive to feeling something. Have experiences that elicit an emotion in you. Recognize it. Build an image around it with an emotional trigger, an emotional core. Consider what I said earlier about Greenland. Lonely, desolate, pristine, even sterile. These are all emotional triggers I can incorporate into my images. Hopefully I did. How? How about conceptualizing one of those emotions by using composition or lighting or certain camera techniques to amplify loneliness, for example? We just talked about photographing an iceberg. I can photograph it several different ways. How about isolating one of those enormous icebergs using a wide-angle lens, employing a vast expanse of negative space around the iceberg? Would that amplify and express the feeling of loneliness? Would someone else who wasn't present also feel that loneliness? You know, that's just one example. You see, any camera operator can express what they see, but only an artist can share and express what they feel. I call that emotional engagement. And this is what I've learned over 20 years as, as a photographer. Photo editors and art directors have all told me the same thing. They want images that make people feel something, whether it's editorial, commercial, or fine art. Emotional content, emotional engagement is the most important. It's the most important thing about a photo. Ignore that advice at your own peril. And, and that's not a strategy, by the way, to make more sales or the word strategy or marketing plan can cheapen the whole idea. It should be a principal philosophy on how you create, how you express art and become a better artist. You see, 
AI is incapable of doing any of that because AI doesn't care. AI doesn't feel emotions. AI doesn't love. AI doesn't obsess over passions like we humans do. AI ingests tremendously large data sets to analyze patterns and build predictive models. AI one day might achieve some sort of sentience, even intelligence. That's certainly possible. But to feel and express human emotions? Not anytime soon. AI could and probably will replace stock photography if it isn't already. I remember 15 years, 20 years ago or so, a company called iStock, which is now part of Getty, maybe Alamy, with page after page of stock images for sale of paperclips and thumbtacks. I mean, just a paperclip on a white background, that's it. And there were tens of thousands of downloads of these images. They were probably used for websites and annual reports. And they sold exceedingly well, as I said, tens of thousands of downloads. I was kind of fascinated and curious, but not even tempted to go down that road. I mean, I wouldn't even do weddings. But knowing what we know now of AI, who among us doesn't think that AI can't produce a standard paperclip photo just as well as a human with a camera? I mean, if that's your business, if that's your business model, you ought to be worried. And that, that paperclip photo is, is symbolic of any standard documentary, emotionally sterile image that lacks emotional engagement. You want to know how to AI-proof your photography, your artwork? Start creating emotionally engaging images. That's something AI can't do. Allow each photograph you create to be a reflection of you. And speaking of you, please, 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 please create for you. For yourself. Create for you, not for others. This has always been true, but it's particularly salient now for the times in which we live. And I'm speaking specifically about the internet and social media. Great photographers and artists, they create for themselves, not for others. I mean, what do you care about what other people think anyway? Good or bad? Well, we're socially conditioned to care, for one. We crave acceptance and approval. That's just being human. David Bowie, who's considered a creative musical genius, was once asked about his greatest regret. And when subjecting himself to the famous Proust questionnaire, he replied, not wearing bell bottoms. Okay. But on another occasion, when he was more serious, his answer was playing to the audience. No, not playing for the audience, but playing to the audience. In other words, pandering. Giving his fans what they wanted instead of reaching for his artistic voice and making music that was meaningful to him. He said he only realized this late in his career after making this mistake early on. He wanted to quote-unquote, please people. Well, who doesn't? That's being human too. He went on to say, quote, never play to the gallery. 
Never work for other people in what you do. Always remember that the reason you initially started working was there was something inside you that, if you could manifest it, you felt you could understand more about yourself. I think it's terribly dangerous for artists to fulfill other people's expectations. Unquote. So, are you planning for the audience? Steve Jobs, when he announced the first iPhone, this would have been 2006, 2007, I mean, before anyone even, even used it, was mocked and ridiculed for this expensive device that didn't have a tactile keyboard and a stylus pen. You remember this? And this is what he said time and time again about that criticism. He said his job wasn't giving his customers what they wanted, which is really counterintuitive from a business and marketing perspective. He said his job was to give them a new, creative, innovative product that they didn't even know they wanted or needed yet. And of course, the iPhone, which didn't include a tactile keyboard or a stylus pen, but instead used a touchscreen, was an obvious success and was eventually copied by all his competitors. And that's what a creative visionary does and how one thinks. You don't play to the audience. You don't play to your Facebook followers or your Instagram followers or whatever. If you're playing to the audience or creating images solely meant to rack up likes and follows, it's unlikely you're being a visionary at all. And you're allowing your your followers to mold, whether consciously or unconsciously, mold your creative vision in your artistic voice instead of it being your own. In other words, they're not following you. You're following them. I think to truly inspire others with your art and your photography, you need to, at least initially, shut them out completely in order to create work that is authentically you, that is creative and innovative. Maybe your followers will follow along with you, and maybe they won't. What's most important is that you don't care. You don't care. Either way, it's still better than you following them, or you pandering to their whims and fickleness. And it's better than you ceding creative direction of your work to the crowd, to the social media mob, and playing to the audience. At least it's authentic and real and you. Your creative mantra should be create for yourself. Always. This is what I like to call creative selfishness. Yes, selfishness, which in turn leads to selflessness because giving of yourself is the ultimate act of selflessness. There's no greater gift an artist can give their audience than a glimpse of their true inner personal vision. I truly believe that. Okay, I know I probably got carried away a little bit, but... I I really hope this little sermon allays some of your fears about AI and helps those plateauing break through and get to the next level because making your art about you being selfish really is the next level. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I promise we'll have a guest next week, okay? And please do me a favor. If, if you're listening on an iPhone, 
on Apple Podcasts, please click that little follow button in the upper right corner. (laughs) I'd appreciate it. And you can also follow Beyond the Lens if you're on Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you regularly listen to your podcasts. You can tweet me at Bird Photo if you have any comments or feedback about the show. I guess that wouldn't be a tweet anymore. It'd be message me on X. And you can receive an email whenever a new episode drops by subscribing at our website, beyondthelens.fm. Here's to truth, adventure, passion. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.